0: Episode 206 of the PJ Archive is a phone interview I did with the much-admired and now much-missed American actor George Siegel. George is best remembered for movies such as Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, for which he was nominated for the Best Supporting Actor Academy Award, Where's Popper, The Hot Rock, The Duchess and the Dirtwater Fox and A Touch of Class, for which he won the Golden Globe Award for Best Actor in a Comedy. On TV, he had regular roles in the hit sitcoms Just Shoot Me and The Goldbergs. George died in 2021 at the age of 87. My interview with him took place in 2001, when he was about to star in the play Art in London's West End. I began by asking him what it was about art which attracted him and other American stars.
1: Well, it's a wonderful play. It's solid in every aspect. And uh, I think it's fun for actors to do, because they're, they're out there without a net. Mm-hmm. And there's something about the challenge of that which, which is enticing.
2: Why have you not appeared in London's West End before?
1: And there's never been an opportunity what, with one thing and another. This is the first time that everything seems to have come together. Show business is all a matter of luck as far as I'm concerned anyway.
2: Luck and timing, huh?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: (laughs) How do the British react to you compared to other nations reacting to you?
1: Well, um, what with the touch of class and King Rat and the Memorandum? they seem pretty happy to see me.
2: (laughs) (laughs) What do you find most British people want to talk to you about?
1: Do you like it here? How's the food? (laughs) what's it like no
2: career-wise though
1: oh career-wise
2: do you find yourself getting cornered and asked by people you know what was it like starring with glenda jackson uh
1: no 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 there's no cornering (laughs) everybody's on the whole pretty respectful and uh, i get a lot of pictures in the mail as i get a lot of mail here i have to i have to say that much more certainly than i would get in new york or los angeles if i appeared anywhere
2: what, sort of fan mail? from? Um,
1: yeah, yeah, but it's all, it's a, it's a different quality. It's like serious fans who really seem to appreciate the films and, and the work and everything. So that's, that's, that's very gratifying.
2: Yeah, quite right. Have you ever lived in the UK or considered living
1: here? Uh, yeah, you always consider living here. It's very seductive, for, uh, at least for an American coming here. I think the reason I feel that is because I've always had such a good time working here, and I've I worked here a number of times.
2: Yeah, yeah. Where were you born and brought up, by the way? I and was
1: uh, b- born and brought up in a, in a sleepy little town called Great Neck, Long Island, which is outside about about uh, thirty miles outside of New York on Long Island.
2: And do you still have any sort of relatives there or any connections? No, there?
1: no, no connection whatsoever. But, now it's a big town,
2: right? I should think it is. W- were you from a showbizy family?
1: Not at all. My father was a salesman, and he used to—I used to hear him on the phone when I'd go in to visit him at the office and he would always take on the dialect because he was mostly dealing with hop farmers from the west uh. and I would hear him take on a, a slight dialect, he'd start to talk like them and I thought, oh, that's really interesting that you take on the persona of the person that you're talking to. Mm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But beyond that, no show business, except that he, he produced a minstrel show in Great Neck during the war, like in 1943 or 44. Yeah. And everybody, I saw this whole string of banjos. I couldn't believe it. And oh, white spangles. Yeah. I guess it was like the black and white show here. I was just uh, uh, awed by it. And I think that was the turning point.
2: Because you are an accomplished banjo player. Were you a fan of George Formby at all? I
1: am a fan of George Formby, yes. But he has a particular style and he does particular uh, so is particular to him. Yeah. So I can only stand back and admire that. I do more standard uh, vaudeville stuff.
2: At what point did you say to yourself, I want to be an actor, though? Was it while you were at school or something?
1: Well, when I was a kid, again, my father would bring me home magic tricks uh, from, oh. from the city. And I thought magic, what a a great way for a really shy kid to get some attention. And I think it's also, not to be too psychological, but I am the youngest in a family of of three, Mm -hmm. so uh, youngest tend to go into show business. It's just like, say, get the light over here for a while, let me have some attention.
2: (laughs) I'm the youngest of three as well, by the way. Well, there you go, and you've got
1: a byline, don't you? (laughs) That's right. Okay.
2: (laughs) Was there any other career you ever considered?
1: No, no, because I got so lucky so fast in this career that I I was always a little out of breath and never had a chance for (laughs) other options. Right,
2: right. When you were a child, did anyone ever tell you you'd be a star one day?
1: No. No. Just me, maybe. I mean, that is the fantasy, isn't it? When you go to see Alan Ladd in the movies, you think that's a good job. I'd like to do that.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: But well, you, there's no way. There's no logic to it. You can't figure out how to do that when you're in Great Neck. How you're going to get the Holly? I mean, it's just it's it's too inconceivable. It, 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 it there has to be some kind of uh, miraculous thing take place, and I think that's what happened.
2: Uh, talking of Alan Ladd, which film stars were your heroes as a youngster and have you ever got to meet them since?
1: Well, I got to meet uh, Jimmy Stewart and Jimmy Cagney and that was pretty hot, I have to tell you. And in one movie I did at Warner Brothers, I, they gave me a shirt to wear and it had uh, Humphrey Bogart in, inside the collar. Oh, so yeah. that was close to meeting him.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I read that you were told you'd never make it with your name. Did you ever con- seriously consider changing it? And if so, what to?
1: No, I didn't. And it, it's always uh, George Siegel kind of looked good to me. I thought that was that I'd, that would look good up on a mar- some marquee somewhere. So I just left it alone.
2: Has <laughs> your name ever been confused with any of the other Siegels in show business? Yes,
1: I get. I, I got during the eighties for some reason. I would get Stephen Stephen Siegel, Steven really? although it's spelled different. But yeah. Yeah.
2: Well, in what way? You got offered this? Well, no, no, no. I would,
1: <laughs> people would say, wait a second, I used no, no, no. You know, it would be like that yeah. because they would see the name and, and they were seeing his name a lot in the 80s.
2: So. Yeah, quite so, yeah. Have you ever met him?
1: Nope, never met him.
2: Mm. When you started out, what did you hope for as an actor?
1: I hoped to be a really successful character actor. The, the fact that I was starring in movies was uh, 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 quite a surprise. <laughs> Yeah, uh, because I started out in an improvisational comedy and and I always loved doing, doing character work, but it turns out it went another direction and that was fine with me.
2: What would you say was your big break in show business?
1: I did a Naked City, which was a black and white New York gritty uh, series, mm-hmm. and I, I I I was on it one week. I don't know how I landed that. That was the first part of it, a miracle. And then somebody in, in Los Angeles saw it, and they wanted me for something out there. And and it turned out to be a series that never went anywhere, but it got me out there, and then things started to happen after that.
2: Forgive my ignorance.
1: What Was that an American TV series? Yes, that? it was yeah. a New York City cop show.
2: Oh, right. Were you a cop then?
1: No, yeah, I was... Uh, but I was... Um, uh, yeah, I was... Uh, Yeah, I was a a cop gone wrong.
2: (laughs) When you were nominated for an Academy Award, who won, and how did you really feel when they won?
1: Well, Walter Matthau won. For? For the fortune cookie. But he was over the title, so I thought "Mm, that was unjust. But who I thought should have won was Robert Shaw for Man for All Seasons.
2: Oh, yeah. So how did you feel when... When you didn't win?
1: And I felt fine about it. I thought uh, I was just lucky to be nominated. I mean, all four of us got nominated on that movie. That was enough. And uh, the role, role was challenging, but not like uh, Robert Shaw's right. role, for example.
2: Right. What difference do you think winning that Oscar would have made to your career?
1: No. Mm, uh, I'm so delighted with how it went, I, I can't imagine it going any, any any other way. So I don't think it would have made any difference.
2: Oh, that's a nice thing to say. It can't be many he'd say that.
1: You know, there's a kind of a dip after Academy Award. I think if you look down the list, you'll see yeah. that it's like a culmination somehow, and then there's a kind of a vacuum afterwards.
2: Unless your name's Tom Hanks, of course.
1: Unless your name's Tom Hanks, <laughs> then you just keep on going. But that was the same with Jack Lemmon before him.
2: You yeah, know. true. The fact that that was the only time you were up for an Oscar implies that that film was your best. Do you think it was?
1: I thought it was a great film. For me, no. No, I thought, well, Glenda won for a touch of class. So I feel there's some reflected glory in that. You take what you can get. And I, I, you know, I liked a lot of different movies. I don't know whether they were Academy Award worthy because that's got a lot to do with box office and all kinds of things. Hmm. So, no, I never did kind of virtuoso stuff like that i was a little uncomfortable i guess i never went in that direction i just i, I was just a workaday actor who got good roles for, for a whole period there during the 70s
2: have you ever turned down a role that went on to become a massive success for someone that else would be
1: 10 10 the movie 10 oh with, the dudley moore part. yeah 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 all right yeah and and the fact is although nobody believes me, he was better in it than I would have been. And it turns out that Blake Edwards wanted him really from the beginning anyway. So I believe, you know, I I got a lot of movies because other people turned them down or walked out of them. So it leads me to believe that the right people get to be in the right movies all the time. Mm. And who would have got one, or should have got one, or could have got one, that's all beside the point. The one who gets it is the one who does it, and that's how the movie is defined, therefore.
2: Yeah. Do you think that any one film you've made has damaged your career?
1: Oh, <clears throat> Can't damage my career. <laughs> no, I made some stinkers, too. Did you? Yeah.
2: What was the biggest stinker?
1: Oh, I think a, a soft porn one called... Um, I can't even remember the name of it. <laughs> well, you... I say so for it was it was it, it was just a it was a brutal kind of violent movie, and I had a three day role in it, and it it, it it wasn't much. I also did a movie in Russia. Mm. <laughs> I can't remember the name of that, but I'll <laughs> always remember doing that movie. You know, at a certain point, it's that location and, and mm. how much how rewarding that might be. Even if you could remember it, you
2: probably couldn't pronounce
1: it. Right, 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 right. Yes.
2: <laughs> Which are your favorites, then, among the films you've done? Your personal favorites. Oh,
1: a, a Touch of Class, certainly, and then Duchess in the <laughs> Water Fox. I could go on forever. Okay. King Rat. Um, so many of them have, are full of Englishers that were directed by Englishmen. So uh, uh, Hot Rock, I like. Uh, Where's Papa?
2: Have you got I'm, them all on video? Do you sit and watch them sometimes? No,
1: sometimes. Uh, uh, sometimes some of them get a little creaky but some of them really hold up and i have a good time it depends how you feel when you put them on i don't do it that often
2: Mm. what's your best memory of a touch of class because as i say that's the one you're most loved for over here
1: Mm -hmm. um well we were a dynamite threesome that is to say glenda mel frank and i i don't know why we hit it off but there was a kind of elation when the three of us were together, and out of that kind of joy in the work, we had a great time, and I think that comes across in the film. Oh yes, that we're enjoying what we're saying, how we're saying it, and enjoying each other.
2: How genuine was the great screen chemistry between you and Glenda?
1: Total. Oh, we really had a great time together. It was like done in a vacuum that 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 movie because. We had no past. We had no. We we came from two different backgrounds. It was a lot like the movie, so it was very easy to transfer how we were really getting along into the movie. You know.
2: To what extent have you remained in contact with Glenda?
1: Well, I just rode the eye with her the other day with oh, right. Ken Livingston to to promote England and say that the food is really good here. <laughs> is <laughs> it? <this>? It is. <laughs>
2: Wow, you're the first Americans ever said that. I tell no, you.
1: I've been saying it a long time. I eat great in this town.
2: Which of your fellow actors are you genuine friends with?
1: Very few. I am genuine friends now with Paul Freeman uh, and Richard Griffith. Mm-hmm. We see each other all the time. But this is too close. You, can, yeah. you can't. You, you, you might as well be married. Uh, you, you can't keep this up because there's this dynamic that holds us together. And that's why one of the great things and one of the, uh, the, the, the losses about being an actor is you, you don't maintain this. You can't maintain this intensity after the show. We'll always have a wonderful feeling about one another, but we'll see each other as we do as life goes on. But,
2: How did you feel about Glenda's decision to go into politics?
1: I thought it was a great idea. I wasn't surprised at all. I was delighted. She always had really strong ideas about everything. And that's what made her so good in A Touch of class.
2: Hmm. Have you ever fancied a career in politics yourself?
1: Not once, because show business is politics, and politics is show business as far as I'm concerned.
2: Yeah, it worked for Ronald Reagan.
1: Yeah, but he, he, I, I don't think he got that many, much fun out of acting. Mm. I think he was always a little uncomfortable acting, and he was much more comfortable in a political arena.
2: Mm. Has Glenda been to watch you in art
1: yet? Not yet, but we have a Sunday show, so she figures she's going to get in to see a Sunday show, which is the only time she has.
2: You've worked very successfully, as you say, with some great British actors. Do you think that's because there's a certain Britishness about you?
1: No, I don't. Actually, I think the antithesis. I think uh, uh, I I kind of have a more uh, kind of a free and easy uh, approach to everything, which is made even more free and easy by being around English actors. So we, there's, there's a great contrast there, and I, I am a great admirer of their technique, that they're all so well-schooled and so totally professional mm. in their approach to this craft. So for me, it's, 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 always, uh, it's always enormously uh, gratifying and rewarding.
2: You've also worked with some of the world's most beautiful women. Which ones genuinely made you go weak at the
1: knees? Lee Remick in, in, uh, in um, No Way to Treat a Lady. Right. I, I, there's a scene on a bus we have where I was actually blushing, and you could see it on the screen. So it's a little embarrassing now, but but there it is. So mm. yes, and then and then you get a little hardened, you know, as you get older, and you and you realize it is just a profession, you mm. know, and and you're there as professionals. It gets it it cleans up a little bit. But I did have a real crush on Lee. Yes.
2: Do you have a nice story you can tell us about your work with Elizabeth Taylor, Barbara Streisand, or Jane Fonda?
1: Yeah, they were all a pleasure. Uh, uh, I got Barbara when she, when she was at, the, I think, the height of her acting powers, and uh, uh, she wasn't trying to direct it, and she was just acting in it. And Elizabeth was great because of uh, Burton. Richard Burton was mm. terrific. And um, who would you say? Jane? Jane Fonda, yeah. Oh, I have a real soft spot for her. Nice. Yes how can you not <laughs> have you done any of her exercises no i never got, i never went that far <laughs> no.
2: in in many of your movies you've played the affable easygoing charmer to what extent is that the real you
1: a little bit maybe i'm a bit more of a worrier than is projected but i think that would be natural um yeah I, you try and call on parts of yourself um how much is that me? I don't know. And I'm a little embarrassed But this notion of charmer. I don't know what mm. the, how you define that, but <laughs> okay, I'll go along with it. Yeah, it's not a bad compliment. Yeah.
2: You've been quoted as saying you fear being considered bland. How would you rather be or have been regarded?
1: Well, bland, that's probably me as a person. I think um, uh, most actors are waiting for, to play a character. And then they it, it, that, that's why they can live in a kind of a neutral state. and they're, It's kind of a middle class kind of approach to everything and keeping all your ducks in a row and all that stuff. Mm. And then your eccentricity comes out in your acting.
2: It's often said that the film stars of today don't have the magic and charisma of those from the past. What's your view?
1: Yeah, that's true. Although I think... Uh, uh, Tom Cruise and uh, and Travolta and uh, and Harrison Ford. I, I think they have a real kind of magic on the screen. So I, I think the magic continues.
2: Has there ever been a George Segal fan club?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Has there? There was. Yeah, but there, now we're back in the seventies. Yeah, yeah, there was.
2: What happened to it?
1: It 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 kind of dissolved after a while. <laughs> You know, as you get into your 30s, all that uh, kind of uh, uh, recedes.
2: Do you have any stories about female fans hurling themselves at you?
1: I have not one story of a female fan.
2: Why not? (laughs) (laughs) Because they're too Because I
1: didn't generate that kind of stuff. Uh, Mm. You know, I was more kind of a... uh, There's a German biography that starts out that he's a city neurotica. So I was kind of an urban kind of guy, and there was no... uh, uh, I think the romance was more where Warren Beatty was coming from.
2: All right. How how difficult... Redford. How difficult do you think it is for film stars such as yourself to maintain proper relationships and marriages?
1: Tough. It's tough for everybody. It's tough if you're not. Hollywood doesn't make it easy. Uh... Uh, that's true, it's tough. Uh, that, again, but again, I got real lucky, so mm, yeah. I keep going back to that.
2: Yeah, You've rarely been the target of gossip columnists. Is that because you've always been discreet or because you really have always been a fine upstanding gentleman?
1: <laughs> well, I am without question a fine upstanding gentleman. <laughs> and I also like to think that I'm discreet.
2: Yeah. Have you ever dated any famous actresses, though? And can you name names?
1: No, I haven't. I haven't really no, dated, no, no, I was married, yeah, I got married at twenty two I was off the market very early
2: <laughs> you remet your current wife after the sad death of your second wife to that what extent, cr- yeah, to what extent do you feel Sonia helped you overcome the tragedy
1: enormously, enormously, and that I was another bit of good fortune because she, she she was someone to talk to, you know when someone's dying uh, other people kind of move away, it's tough because they're they're in the business of living and the dying are in the business of dying so it was nice to have somebody to really talk to late into the night
2: you had originally dated sonia at school mm-hmm. to, to what extent had her flame burned inside you in the intervening years ah
1: yes yes no i would think of her a lot from time to time because those during the rough marital times those were kind of pure and loving times to look back on you know
2: so do you think now that she's your ultimate soulmate? i do Mm, that's lovely, isn't it? Have you found that many people are telling you now that your love story with Sonia has brought them
0: hope?
1: Yeah, a lot of people have said that. It's yeah, and, and it should. Although I don't know how it can happen. I mean, I, there's no formula for it or prescription. Mm.
2: When and where was your wedding, by the way?
1: It Was in Northern California, at a, at her son's uh, kind of restaurant in uh, in Northern California. What date was? And it? I, oh, don't now. Nah, now nah, you're going to really embarrass. <laughs> About three years ago, is it? Yeah, four years ago. Four years ago.
2: Do you now wish you could have had children with Sonia?
1: Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. We talk about that. But it's okay the way it's worked out. <laughs> mm, cool. do, do you
2: have any children from your previous relationship?
1: Yes, I have uh, Elizabeth and Polly from their first marriage. And how old are they and what do they do? Uh, one, is in, uh, one is a kind of a nightclub singer, Polly, and uh, Elizabeth's in, uh, in computers.
2: And where do they live and how much do you see of them?
1: I see a lot of uh, both of them. Elizabeth's in California and uh, Polly's in uh, New York. Mm -hmm.
2: The press seems surprised that you're not dating a 24-year-old leggy blonde in the true tradition of Hollywood stars. Well, that's
1: their true tradition. It's not my true tradition.
2: (laughs) How do you feel about that sort of expectation of you?
1: Well, I think it's misguided. and It has has very little to do with me, but so much of what is written and what you read has also very little to do with me. So Mm. I just accept that, and that's okay.
2: What has re-meeting and marrying Sonia meant to your life?
1: Well, it's changed it. I see everything now through her eyes. You know, you can get a little jaded in show business after a while. So it's nice to have this fresh look at things through Sonia's eyes.
2: Where do the two of you live now?
1: In Los Angeles.
2: Yeah. In sort of Bel Air or Beverly Hills or something? No,
1: no, no, Westwood, much more. It's like a college town.
2: Are you in a sort of film-starry area, though? No, no,
1: no, no, no. no. (laughs) I know what you want, and I can't give it to
2: you.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We live a quiet life, because I'm doing a sitcom, and that's like going to work every day.
2: Right. Tell us about the sitcom.
1: It's called Just Shoot Me. Right. It's hilariously funny. I'm sure. And moving at the same time. Right. And it stars uh, Laura Sangiacomo, who was in... uh,
2: Sex, Lies, and Videotapes. That's
1: it. Yep. And David Spade, who's a very funny uh, comic uh, character, kind of an elf-like character.
2: That's been going a few years now, hasn't yeah, it? Yeah,
1: it's been going about five years, and we're going to be a couple more anyway, so that's, oh, that's, a, that's nice to go back and have a gig at the end of this summer in, in London.
2: What other projects are you working on at the moment, then? Oh,
1: no, this is more than I can handle right now. Really? I got this, and then I'm going back to the show.
2: Any more movies lined
1: up? No, not that I know of. They always come out of the blue anyway, so.
2: Can you tell us a little bit about your home in California?
1: Well, uh, it's on the 15th floor in a a kind of an apartment building, which is uh, um, in earthquake country, so there's always that to think about. But it's lovely. It looks out over westward, and uh, and it's nice being high up there because Los Angeles can be a little soul-destroying if you're not careful. So it's nice to have kind of an area up there to, to to get away from everything, get away from the foul air.
2: To what extent is there evidence of your career in your home?
1: I would say, uh, yes, I would say um, nothing, Right. no part of that, except a banjo and a piano.
2: You don't keep uh, memorabilia and stuff?
1: I don't. I know, and Sonia, Sonia likes that kind of stuff, but I just don't have any. I let it all go.
2: Do you ever intend to retire, or will you always work?
1: Well. I remember being in the Hotel Algonquin many, many years ago when I was a young actor. I was in the lobby, and there was Finley Curry sitting in a chair, and he had to be 88 or something. And he was still cooking, and I thought, hmm, how about that? Look at this guy. And he had a sweet little smile on his face, so I figured that's the way to go.
2: How satisfied are you with your career now?
1: Very. Four stars. Oh,
2: lovely. What would you still like to achieve?
1: Nothing. I, 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 I never had that in mind. I, 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 I'd i rather be a cork just being bounced around,
2: you know. Would you like to live to a ripe old age? You bet. What do you feel is the greatest tribute you've ever been paid?
1: Gee, I don't know. Tribute? I don't know. I don't. Th- I don't think I've gotten any tributes. Oh. Well, well, this is a tribute. Listen, you're talking to me on the phone to see what I think about things. That's a tribute, isn't it?
2: Oh well, thank you. Um, last question: How would you like to be remembered after you're gone?
1: After I'm gone? Well, you ever see the Phil Silver show? Yep. You know Ritzik. Uh, Ritzik, the the chef Ritzik. He talks like this. He was on Car 54. Ooh 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 ooh. Remember that guy? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, he died, and on his gravestone, it says, I had a great time.
2: Mm. <laughs> Do you think you'll always be remembered for things like A Touch of Glass? you would be happy with that?
1: Oh, sure. Oh, absolutely.